Beyond the Wrench with Jay Gannon from Find the Wrench. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Gannon and I am your host. In this week's episode, we welcome Kristen Battaglia, who is our Director of Strategic Partnerships here at Wrenchway. A really cool episode, one that I had a lot of fun talking to Kristen about how we develop relationships with not only schools, but the students in those schools and and some different uh, strategies in pursuing that. Before we get started in the detail of what that podcast looked like, I did want to announce the winner of our higher or lower game for last week. The winner was Robert Soleil with a high score of 42. Very respectable score, Robert. And with that, you win a $100 Amazon gift card. The current Queen of Hearts pot does, however, increase to $1,600 as Robert did not turn over the Queen of Hearts this week. And so that pot yet again rises, right? And every time somebody doesn't flip over that Queen of Hearts, that just continues to increase and and uh, really get into a healthy number now. So in order to really get out there and and try to win that money, get out to the Wrenchway, answer the questions that we ask of the insiders, earn points and play the games as we've talked about in a lot of different podcasts. It's a really cool program, very simple to use and really, really impactful at the end of the day. So head out there, check that out. Kind of on topic is uh, a real quick promo on School Connect. So for those of you that haven't heard of Wrenchway School Connect as of yet, Wrenchway School Connect is a free tool that makes it easier for schools to connect with local shops and dealerships and get the resources they need to attract students to technician programs and educate them about the industry. Schools can post requests for donations and resources from shops, and shops can post resources that they have available to schools in their area. Both shops and schools can sign up at wrenchway.com school connect, and we'll also put a link in the show notes for you to check it out. As for this week's episode, Kristen Battaglia joins us. Kristen is a really, really smart person. She's been with us for about a year now and has a lot of really great relationships throughout the industry. Her background is is really rooted in this very topic. So I think you'll really enjoy this week's episode, and I think there's a lot to learn out of this episode, hopefully some things that you can take back and implement in your shops and really hopefully build better relationships with the schools in your area. So enjoy this week's episode, and we'll talk next week. All right, today I am Really excited to bring our Director of Strategic Partnerships at Wrenchway, Kristen Battaglia, onto the podcast. She has done a lot for our uh, Wrenchway as a whole, has a lot of really good relationships in the industry, and today we'll get to learn a little bit more about her and learn maybe a little bit more about building relationships with the schools and students. So, Kristen, how are you? Great, Jay. What's going on? Not too terribly much. We actually, Chris and I just got back from SEMA and Apex in Las Vegas. It was a a lot of fun down there. We got to talk to a lot of people. So I I think in our conversations in Vegas, some of what we're going to talk about today kind of stemmed from those conversations. So excited to have her on and talk about really schools and how how we build some relationships there. So before we get into that, I do want to take a minute and talk about your your experience and and how you got to us at Wrenchway today. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so how let's start off first and foremost, grew up in a car family, right? I did. Yes, I'm a car dealer's daughter and, you know, and I'm actually the only family member that's still in the biz. So that's kind of my badge of honor. <laughs> <laughs> badge of honor or badge of resilience, maybe. Or That's just plain, a, plain crazy, whatever. I don't know. Plain, plain <laughs> crazy. So how, what led you to Wrenchway? Let, let's kind of walk through your career and, and really what got you to this point today. Yeah. So traditionally, I've been in nonprofits for, gosh, almost 20 years. And, you know, when I moved to Virginia, I was a stay-at-home mom for a very short amount of time and realized I was losing my mind. (laughs) So I applied for a job at SkillsUSA, knowing absolutely nothing about career and technical trades, literally 
my experience with vocational or career in tech of schools was all the bad kids went across the Hudson River and they went to BOCES, you know, so didn't know a whole lot, learned a ton. I was doing fundraising and partnerships for skills and was there for several years. And then one of my business partners was ASE. And so I went over to ASE and was their director of NATEF, which accredits high school and college post-secondary automotive, diesel, and collision programs. And then went over to the collision side with the ICAR Foundation, also known as Collision Repair Education Foundation. Learned a ton about collision and made some really great partnerships there. And then found you guys. So, and you guys were crazy enough to hire me. So, Thank, thankfully, you, you came to us. That that worked out really well. And it is funny how, like, when you're a kid, you probably don't envision yourself like, "Hey, I'm going to do this." Like, I'm not going. You know, it, you you went to where'd you go to college? Delaware. Yeah, University of Delaware. And what's the nickname for Blue Hen? Blue Hen. Our, our mascot. It's <laughs> a great mascot. It's really yeah. good. But yeah. I think, like, when you were going to college, what did you envision doing? Oh, I wanted to be an attorney. You did? Yeah. I This is the first I've heard of this. <laughs> I wanted to be an attorney, took my LSATs, and then chickened out and never applied. What? Mm-hmm. So you went that far? I did. Yeah. Learn something every day. Learn I something know. every day. So it's fascinating to me, your history and even what led you to us at Wrenchway. You've been here for almost a year already. And and we've learned a lot from you in terms of the education side, in terms of the partnership side. And one of the really cool parts that I think you've got a unique perspective on is how the, the relationship between shops and schools and and really how we develop young people into this industry and we've done a lot of content on this right we we just just got done and wrapped up with with tech mission had great attendance i think there are a lot of people that probably listened to your panel in particular but what we wanted to really talk about today was something a little different, right? I think there's times where some of the content we do can get a little redundant or kind of feel the same. So we want to dive into maybe different aspects of how to build relationships with schools, how to build relationships with students, and and maybe some unique opportunities that are out there for the shops list to be able to do that. So I, I want to start off with maybe asking this question, and that is, which parts of our message do you feel are redundant? Well, you know, and maybe it's just because I've been doing this for a really long time, but there's, there's, there's several different ways we can approach this. Right. And, you know, we've been saying for years, join your advisory committee, you know, involve yourself in the program, help, help the instructor know what industry needs, all of these things. And yeah, Absolutely, 100%. Absolutely, industry and the employer needs to be doing that. But I think this day and age, and as advanced as, as advanced as the vehicles are, we need to be just as advanced to engage these students and to really build a good relationship. And we're not engaging the students on any level, you know. And so by being on an advisory committee, that does nothing to get the student excited about getting into the industry. So I think it's maybe a little bit different of approach. Yes, we still need to really help that instructor understand what industry wants, but we need to be engaging these students way better and at their level. And we're just simply not. Which I, I almost feel like that's somewhat our fault as an industry, right? Is we focus so much on that side and we do want to promote good relationships between schools and, and shops just because for the health of the industry, that's such a big deal. But I, I think your perspective is really cool here because you are trying to dive maybe even a little bit deeper, right? Who is it that we're trying to excite and who is it that we need in this industry? And when you go down to the core of it, it's the people, right? It's the young people that we're trying to make excited about a potential career in this business. So uh, when you look at that, where where do you think there are maybe some opportunities for us to to stand out to young people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's start from the very beginning. We, we engage way too late in the game. Okay. If we're just now engaging students at the high school level, we've missed huge opportunities. Right. And so I've been saying this since my skills USA days, we need to engage at, at 
at a minimum, the middle school level. And I would even suggest going much further down into the elementary schools, right? And so we have to think like them. We kind of almost have to behave like them. And we need to start much younger. And we're just not doing that. You know, I was on a call last night and we were talking about engaging more women. You think that you're going to engage a high school female and, and try and attract her into a male-dominated field when she's 16, 17 years old? You lost your mind. That just simply isn't going to happen. I have a 14-year-old and I'm trying to talk him into going into the trades. And he's been hearing me yap since he was probably eight years old. And it's still hard to convince him. You know, I know he's not going to go into auto tech. I'm like, okay, how about construction? I don't care. Just do a trade. And he's my son and he listens to me all the time about it. And I can't even convince him, you know? So we got to really hit them young and, and start much, much earlier. Well, and I think something that you and I saw in Vegas uh, and I had a sneak peek of it prior to that is something that Full Bay did, right? Uh, one of our really good partners of the show and of Wrenchway in general, but they have the- I have it right over here. I have yours to mail to you. <laughs> right. Well, it's the, so it's a book, right? And it's, it's a book. A book and a coloring book. Yes. And so like for me, I've got a four-year-old son and I read the book to him and he was like obsessed with it. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, it when you talk about- getting to that level, maybe not everybody has the resources to make a book or do, you know, something that drastically. So maybe if you're, if you're talking to that uh, fixed ops director, you're talking to maybe an independent repair shop owner uh, and they're saying, oh my goodness, I'm already so buried every day. The last thing I can go do is talk to kindergartners. What are some, some ways or opportunities that they can do that or that they can get more involved in a, a general awareness at a young age? Yeah. Well, one, they have to get rid of that attitude. Yeah. And <laughs> that they can't leave and they're too busy. You're That's what I love about busy. Kristen. She's going to call you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned it from the best. You know who. But you do have to get rid of that attitude. You're going to have to leave your shop. You're going to have to leave your dealership. And sorry, boo-hoo you know, the world will continue on. And so some really cool things that I think independent or a dealer could do is go to your local elementary school, middle school, go to the principal, go to the administration and say, hey, I'd like to bring a couple of really cool, badass vehicles and we're going to park them in your parking lot or wherever is safe. You know, there's all these rules and stuff. And I'm going to let these kids get in them and we're going to let them take pictures and selfies. And maybe I'll put like a magnetic logo of our dealer or our shop so that, you know, we're getting our branding in, what have you, but, and engage not just the students who maybe are interested in automotive. We don't know. We don't know at elementary or middle school, engage all the students. And, you know, if you're a Mercedes dealer and you have really cool convertible or a G wagon, like let these kids hop in there and and take pictures and just have some fun, make it fun. We don't make it fun. We make it like, Oh, I got to go to class, you know, and just nobody wants to do that. So I, so when I was on the equipment side of things, we'd always have a class come out to the dealership and they could crawl around the tractors and they could crawl around the skid steers and you might give them a ride in something that, you know, is something they would never get to do other than that day. Right. And seeing the kids eyes just glow and seeing how much they enjoy it because the little toys they are playing with at home, they're actually riding in that right now. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's a, that I think can create a little passion in a young person and, Maybe when they're putting that Lego kit together, they're thinking about their ride in that tractor or the G-Wagon or, you know, whatever it is. And it does make it a little bit, not a little bit, a lot more appealing to a young person and almost subconsciously, right? They're not, you're not trying to talk them into a career when they're in first grade. You're trying to get them just generally interested in the industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, you know, again, back to engaging women, young women. Young women like cool cars too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so let them take a selfie in a, a Bronco or a G-Wagon. That's pretty awesome. You know, it's really engaging everybody. Cars kind of bring everybody together naturally. We all need them, whether you like them or not. So, you know, just make it fun. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. So 
you think even on f- from you know we talk a lot about trying to get more females into the industry as a whole and i don't think we've done a great job of that in the past uh, how do you stick out to that 16 year old female like wh- what is it that you know what is it that would be appealing to them yeah well one i'm not a technician so i really i, I have a hard time speaking to that sometimes sure. from the female perspective and i do think 16 is probably a little too late But I I think that, you know, I, you know, growing up in a dealership, I used to hop in those cars. I'd come home from school off the bus, walk down to my dad's dealership, which is on the same property that we lived basically. And I would pretend I would hop in the cars and pretend to drive them and like make up these whole scenarios. Obviously I was probably only like five or six. It wasn't older than, you know, too old. You were, you were 14. I was, I was my imaginary friend, you know, as a passenger. Yep. Total. So, but, you know, I think, I think that that's people, we all on some level like cars and we need them. And so whether or not you decide that you want to repair them or not, but then again, there's so many other opportunities in the industry too. But yeah, I think just either way, whether it's a male or female, we have to engage at a much, much younger level. Well, I think to go even a step further, one of the things that looking back, I wish we would have done a better job when I was on the dealership side was making those in the building aware that there was a class coming. And, you know, so when, when there's a bunch of kids running through the, the shop, they're open and warm to them rather than like, you're in my way, get out of the way. Like, right. it, But really having an approach from the leadership level of saying, okay, we've got this group of kids coming. We want to, we really want to paint a positive picture of what this industry is, even though they're really, really young, this, there's something in their mind that's going to trigger with this. And I, I still remember field trips from when I was, you know, in elementary school, right? Like, I, I yeah. don't think you forget that stuff because that's the kind of stuff that's different than your day to day. Yeah. It, somehow you're influencing them. Right. And so, and, and I think that that's, you know, you could, you could have them either to your shop or dealership or go there, you know, cause it is hard. And I, I don't think a lot of times people know this, but it's hard for an instructor or teacher to get approval for uh, field trips, right? They usually have to put in for it at the beginning of the year. And then what happens is a dealer or a shop will say in February or March, hey, why don't you come and see us? And it's too late. There's a very small window when schools can accept or put in for typically some type of field trip. So do it early. Like if you know, hit them up in August, September, if that's something that's on your playbook, if that makes sense. So are there, are there things that you can do creatively? So say if you bring that car up, are there things that you are able to do? So it's more than just putting a car in the parking lot and opening the doors and saying, all right, climb around. Yeah. So I think what would be cool, I wish I had, you know, even though my dad was a dealer, I don't, I don't know how to change a tire. So why not do that type of demonstration? Get like 10 kids around one of your cool techs who likes to engage with students and not a grouchy one and show them how to change a tire, you know, or check your oil, do something, uh, you know, more on a life skill level that's engaging all the students. I think that's cool. I think Bringing pizzas to a classroom is always effective, usually more effective in, at the high school level, you know. And th- I I think what was it, Ed Roberts, he brought his, from Bozard Ford, he brought his cool Bronco. And then I think he said that he would, he did a, a spark plug competition. I don't, I have to talk to Ed about that. Like, everybody loves a competition, right? And so I just think that there's lots of creative ways. And I bet if the dealer or the shop owner talked to his or her own technicians, they could all brainstorm and use it as an opportunity to kind of at a team meeting, be like, what do you think is kind of cool? And they all probably have teenagers or little kids and can get direct feedback and input. Yeah. And how many different types of, like, it's not hard to go to target and buy a couple of remote control cars or go, you know, like and do a race with cars out in the park, you know, like mm-hmm. you could do, do different things. And like you said, I think if you take feedback from people that have kids that are that age in what their kids like to do, I'm guessing that's pretty common across the board. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's a great way to engage your employees 
right? So let's look at it. What's the value? What, what does it do for the dealer or the shop owner? Well, I think it does bring your team together. And who doesn't like a lot? I mean, there are some grouchy people out there, <laughs> but typically you like to see kids. It brings that vibrancy to, you know, to your workplace. And so why not engage your team that way and be like, what would be cool? How would we engage them? You know? And even from that standpoint, I think it's really easy in this industry to get stuck in the shop or stuck in the office and not get out of the office because you get so buried. And I think it gives you a really unique opportunity to get perspective too, or just get out of your day-to-day routine a little bit to get out and talk to somebody. And it's not like you have to commit a week to it. If you commit a couple hours to it, you can you can make a really big impact on kids' lives. And I, I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Kids' lives and your potential customers. Right. You know, like, I mean, I know a lot of companies that would come into our school and influence us in some way too, right? I was thinking the other day, somebody commented on my LinkedIn that our industry is in a serious funk. And I kind of was like, all right, I, I don't like to be negative. Yeah, I think we're not thinking outside the box enough. You know, and so even you brought up creative ways, but, and I was reading this article about how we all like to complain that kids these days are always on their phones, right? And I do it too. My kid's always on his phone and I'm always threatening to take it away, but now we need to engage them on their phones and that's on us, right? And so instead of fighting it and fighting the power and going against these teenagers or these young people and being like, they're on their phones too much and they're not listening, then maybe we need to meet, you know, meet them in the middle and get on their phones too. So, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot about like the TikTok stuff and Instagram and there's blue collar Kyle who has like 80,000 followers. And all he's doing is posting the coolness in his collision shop and what he's doing. And so we need to, as an industry, stop talking about these students in a negative way and start engaging them in the way that they want to be engaged. Yeah. Right. Like that's, yeah. what, that's what we do at Wrenchway, right? We're engaging technicians or we're encouraging shops to engage technicians the way that they want to be um, communicated to and engaged with. But we don't do that with students. And as a society, we probably don't do that with children at all. We don't, we talk down to them instead of talking to them. But I think we would see such improvement with our recruiting efforts if we started talking actually to them. Well, and speaking their language, right? And if their language happens to be TikTok or text messaging or, you know, I use text messaging in a little bit different context, but, you know, I think there, there's a lot of opportunities there in I see it with some of the there's some really progressive people out there that are doing these things, right? That are going the extra step and and creating understanding of the industry. And at the end of the day, yes, it's not the most fun thing to go out and align a car or do a timing belt on a, on, you know, whatever. But it's still pretty cool stuff. I mean, to tear into stuff and see how things work and, you know, I I think there's we're lucky in that our industry, I think, is way cooler than maybe us in the industry think it is. <laughs> like, there's a lot of cool parts about this business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's just like I said, you know, the cool cars and these kids, they want snippets of info, right? That's how they respond. And they don't want to, you know, listen to an instructor, wah, 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 like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, they need that instant gratification and engagement. And that's what they're looking for. And so I think we as an industry need to try and figure it out a little differently because it's just, we're not keeping them in the, we're not really getting them into the industry and then we're definitely not keeping them in the industry. Right. And so one of my struggles, and this is, I've talked about this in the past, but I did a, a presentation and it really wasn't a presentation. It was me talking for a half an hour to eighth graders a while back. And I so struggled on trying to connect with them. And normally I feel like that's one of my strengths is being able to connect with people. And so that bothered me, right? Like I, I went and talked to these people and after the fact I got off of it and I'm like, I'm very confident in my abilities, but 
I sucked right there. That was not good. And maybe I detracted people from wanting to come to our industry. But I, I feel like there's there's others in the industry that feel that way too, right? When you start talking about talking to elementary school kids or middle school kids, we're so conditioned to talk about business and so t- conditioned to talk about you know sales and marketing and all of these things that an eighth grader or a sixth grader or fourth grader, they don't care about, like they legit just do not care about. How do you get to that level? I mean, and, and I think it's, for me, it's a struggle to open up beyond what I know and to know that like, I just, I don't know anything about these kids. Like it doesn't feel like that long ago that I was that age, but when I talked to them, it felt like it, it felt like that was a long, long time ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, my kid thinks I'm probably like 80 years old. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, just the other day I did a TikTok video dance with my daughter who's eight and wow, I know it's not pretty, but she thought it was great. You know what I mean? And I had to let go of all my inhibitions and worrying about how I looked and all that, those things. And I think that's what we do is when we get up there, we're only thinking about us and how we feel. And it's like, just be silly, just be goofy or just kind of, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot and don't expect a lot. Cause you're not, I have a 14 year old, you're not going to get a whole lot out of them. You know what I mean? They look like they're not engaged, but they probably are hearing more than you think. And so just, again, it's not about us. It's about them. You got to get down on their level. And I think like Ed Roberts is doing a great job and there's some yes. people out there we're doing a really great, great job at engaging younger generations. I feel like everything you just said there is you've got to be the cool uncle. Like uh, <laughs> that that's a, a cool uncle or aunt. Like you got to be that that kind of not look at it from a parent perspective, but more of like an aunt or, or, or uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't take it personally, you know, because and then bring a bunch of a lot of free stuff. That, at the end of the day, just bring candy, free stuff, whatever. Food, <laughs> and, food and free stuff, and yep. that, that'll help. But I do think things that we don't value, they probably would, right? So if you get a – I think after you go to a million trade shows, you just get sick of trinkets and everything that is handed out at a trade show – but those things probably mean a lot to to a kid, right? Like if if they get something that's free and kind of cool, I, I mean that you're changing perception about the industry. Then, yeah, yeah, I throw all that kind of stuff out when I my daughter comes home with it, though. But it makes her happy for five minutes. She's like ecstatic that she got a free little tchotchke. You know what I mean? And so that's what it's all about. It's not about making me happy. It's about making her happy. So. So say you're planting the seed, you're doing a good job on a a really, really young person level. So maybe elementary school level, and then you're progressing through middle school. How important is it to keep that message going with that person through their their formative years or really through the the high school experience? Yeah, I think you have to, right? Otherwise, you can't just be a one and done because nobody really, it won't leave that lasting impact. So, you know, at the high school level, after you've been doing it for and making sure these students are kind of working their way into an actual pro, you know, one of the big things about the industry that drives me insane is um, not looking professional. And so um, a lot of times these schools, they don't have technician shirts or uniforms that they provide. Sometimes students are able to purchase them. But as a car dealer, as an independent shop, I can tell you it's really inexpensive to buy uh, technician shirts for those students. So you figure a class, maybe there's 30 students, which would be a bigger program, you know, Cintas, which I'm sure they're already, or whomever uniform company, I'm sure they're already dealing with, you know, buy everybody a technician shirt and the instructor, get your logo, uh, put a logo patch on there, you know, and, and I think that that's pretty cool. And I think a student would really respond to that and making them look professional. And we should we should expect them to look professional. I, I agree. And that, you know, you had mentioned this before, but we, we expect as an industry that we want these th- these young people to look professional and look the part, but we're not doing anything to promote it or we're not doing anything to really help that out, which is damning to our, our image in general, right? And 
and I think there's there's opportunity, as you mentioned, to to help kind of promote good habits and good things out of them at an early age and something that we can we can work a lot with. Yeah, and it's easy, right? And it doesn't really cost a lot. I mean, what is a I think a technician shirt's 15 bucks, you know? Yeah. And so come on, everybody yeah. can you can figure that one out. That's not hard. You know, and then some other things that they can do is, you know, I'm sure all of their technicians or most of their technicians have either an like an old car or a cool car. I know my dad has a 66 Comet Cyclone convertible. Nice. Like, you know, car people usually have cars, fancy cool cars. So then you could encourage that program to do a car show and make it a fundraiser. I mean, that's that's not a new concept, but it's maybe something that people haven't thought of. Um, and then you're really engaging the whole community and you probably are raising money to go to skills or do something like that. That's a really fun way to engage a lot of people. The other thing, and I love, love, love this idea, and I think more schools should be doing it and more um, industry should demand it, are uh, signing days. You know, there's some schools that do it really well. I think that they all should be doing it. And I just think it's, you know, sports. I'm in Northern Virginia. We spend a lot of money on our sports, right? Like on our turfs. And I was in a school in Frederick, Maryland, my buddy, Tracy Hicks, who I know that we highlight a lot. And he was telling me that he wants a new floor for his class shop, which used to be a diesel shop. Okay. The floor is older than me, has not been epoxied in over 40 plus years, but yet the turfs in Loudoun County, we turn over every 10 years and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's just insane that why can't we treat skilled trades, automotive specifically, more like a sport, right? Let's hype it up. Let's make it really cool, you know, before graduation. And those dealers and independents should be loving these students, and, How, and wanting them, treating them like they are going to college. So this m- might even broaden this further. But is there an impact we can make with parents at an early, like at, when a kid is young and say we're doing all of this for the kids? Are there opportunities for us to help change their perspective on it and how seriously they would be open to having their child go into a maybe an automotive or diesel program when they get of the right age. I think something like the car show makes sense in being able to bring the parents into the fold. But how how important is that piece to, you know, maybe you get the young the young person interested in it, but then the parent is like, nah, you're gonna go be an accountant. Um yeah. like uh, is there opportunity there to, to really kind of help paint the industry in a, in a brighter light? Yeah. Well, there's organizations out there too that, so like, for example, one of my biggest philosophies is a better looking program will correct, attract a better quality student. And if you walk into, if you walk into some of these class shops, would you want your kid working in there? Right. And so sometimes that's out of the instructor's control and they're really doing the best that they can on a very limited budget. But we have to think more outside the box. If we're not going to be able to do a total over, you know, reno of a classroom, how are we going to engage parents? And I think that signing day thing is one way to do it. If you can show that, you know, their their child is going into even a part-time job for the summer, let's make that really announced to the community, to the parent, you know, I think we just don't make this attractive enough as an industry. And that's why everybody wants to go to college because it's like, you're waiting by the mailbox for the acceptance letter, you know, and it's such, it's such like a kind of a mysterious thing. And then it's like, oh, well, you're just going to go into an automotive program. Yeah. Hopefully you'll finish. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Hopefully you'll finish high school. Um, Right. I think to me, one of the most important variables here is the quality of the teacher themselves, right? And so when I say that, if you're running a tech ed program in high school and or if you're running an automotive program in a high school, 
I, I don't know if we highlight the impact that that position has enough in our industry because if you have a, I, I don't know, I look back to my experience and I, I really, really enjoyed my tech ed instructor. We didn't have an automotive program. We had to go to a different program. He's kind of an old school guy, but, you know, was always fun to be in his class and we always enjoyed it. And I think it piqued our interest. I do think there are times where if you have an instructor that's not um, self-promoting or doesn't feel comfortable doing that or doesn't want to bring attention to their program, that that can be really damaging to the development of a program, right? Like if if you don't have that good personality up front to, to share that there are smart and good people in this industry, that can that can be a major road bump. And we already have enough road bumps with the guidance counselors and everything else. And if, if you have a school that's not running a top-notch program or not aiming to run a top-notch program, that, that can be a huge barrier, right? Because nobody's going to want to go into that class and, and then they're not exposed to this at all. Right. Yeah. And listen, instructors, they're expected to do it all, right? They recruit, they teach, they have to they have to go out into the community and then they have to be ASC accredited and then they have to, you know, get all their students internships. Like they wear so many hats. It's, how could they be good at all of them? Right. Right. And so if you have an instructor who has a challenge engaging its local employers, then if you're on that advisory committee, I think you need to help them with that, right? And so whether that's getting more people on the advisory committee, just we need to help them. We need to, they're not going to have strengths in all of those areas. Nobody does. So if you're on that advisory committee, you have to figure out, or you need to not just show up two times a year. And I think, I think one of the challenges I have Notice me. I pause. Hey, like, look at that. Politically correct, Kristen. Welcome I to the show. Trying, <laughs> I think that we need to expect advisory committees to meet more than two times a year. Yeah. At least once a quarter. And I think that I'm not sure how much of an impact it would make overall, but two times a year for an hour is just like nothing. Yeah. You know? And I mean, you're not going to remember what you talked about the last time. Exactly. And nobody reads the minutes or some people will read the minutes, but you know, let's, let's meet quarterly. Let's stay engaged and, and, and help our instructors because they need it. What if you're a part of an advisory committee and this is more uh, around advice to industry and say you've got an instructor that's just not overly engaged, right? That is, almost checking that box or, you know, just do you have any advice on how to get them engaged or how to, you know, I I talk to a lot of shops that they want to help the school out. They want to get engaged with the school, but they don't maybe feel as reciprocal. Like they don't, they don't seem not reciprocal. They don't see, they don't see the favor being returned. Right. And, and I think it's in their hearts that they want to help out, but maybe they're just not getting the action from the school side. Do you have any advice, you know, maybe on how to engage further in that relationship? Yeah. I mean, you just have to go to their administration and, and that sounds a little harsh and yeah, no. <laughs> but <laughs> you just got to go to their boss basically, you know what I mean? And, and just communicate that, you know, and there could be many different reasons why the instructor isn't responding the way that we want them to. And, but at the end of the day, you have to, you know, I hate to say it, go to their administration. (laughs) Well, and I think it's just like anything else, right? Where if you don't know more than one person there, you're probably not doing a good enough job, right? Or you're not as present as you think you are. Mm -hmm. And if you are present, typically, and maybe this is more tech school than high school, but if you go to an advisory committee meeting, more than likely you're going to have a dean sit in or an associate dean or you're going to like at the high school level, maybe you will have a guidance counselor that sits in or, you know, something like that. I've actually but, never seen a guidance counselor sit in. No, I, I, I actually am not sure if most guidance counselors know they have a shop program, but. True story. <laughs> well, and that's, that's a whole other issue, which I won't even, it's not even worth discussing guidance counselors in my opinion, but yeah. yeah so, I mean, 
usually it'll be like assistant principal, assistant dean, dean of such and dean of students. I don't know. There's so many different titles depending, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, they'll be in on the advisory committee meeting. Is there a way to get them to take you seriously? Like, so when, when you go in and, you know, maybe, maybe that dean takes their vehicle to your shop or, you know, is there, you know, I, I think there's other opportunities to grow that relationship that we kind of discard and don't think about, right? It, it Maybe your kids are in sporting events together or, you know, I think almost similar to business networking, you almost have to view that as networking at the school level, right? Like you're, you're trying to get to know people and grow that relationship. And I know some of you out there listening, when you go out there, you're like, the last thing I want to do is talk about work or the last thing I want to do is talk to a school instructor because I've had a long week at the shop. Like the last thing I want to do is that, but it's pretty important like to, to grow those relationships and have your face out there because if you want positive change, I feel like that's the only way you're going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of my other pet peeves is that if, if a dealer or a shop gets one student that maybe doesn't perform the way that they are expected to, then that dealer or shop is like, well, that school's horrible. I'm never going back there again. <laughs> we hear it all the time. <laughs> uh, it's like so dumb, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't even make sense because you had one student that maybe didn't work out, then you don't go back to that school. Uh, well, I think or the then same you better thing. get involved and make sure that the instructor knows what you need from them. And, and I, to be fair to schools too, like I think that's a piece that, even in, in the back of my mind, I have a tough time separating the differences in schools and the, you know, they're just like anything, there are really good programs and there are really bad programs, right? There's really good businesses. There's really bad businesses. There's uh, really good employees. There's really bad employees. And I think at times we can put all of them into one bucket. I talk about this with technicians a lot, but if you have one experience where you get burned by a school it's hard for you to get off of that person to like to go to the next, you know, maybe the neighboring school and going and trying and building a relationship there or, you know, thinking outside of just, hey, this shot, this school is right down the road for me. That's the only school I can deal with. You know, you almost have to view it like I'm going to blow the doors off this thing, whether this school wants wants to do this or not. And if they don't want to, then I'll find somebody that will. And I think it's more in the attitude that you possess in 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 really your your viewpoint on schools as a whole that's going to drive your priority here, right? Like if if you feel like oh I hit that one roadblock, that school's just never going to work with me, you're just never going to make progress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's that drip 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 effect, right? Like just because one time it didn't work, you got to keep on, you know, drip drip and get their attention and until you do. And it's frustrating. (laughs) Super frustrating. Yeah. I've had, I've had that experience before too. And it, it is from, from a standpoint of you're trying to help out and they just won't accept your help. You know, that, that gets really frustrating. And I think in my conversations with shops, I see that more than people think, right. Where they're, they're trying to reach out. They're trying to, to really, develop that relationship and they just don't see the return effort. And that can be really demoralizing and really make a shop question why they make it a priority. And that's something I hope we can educate instructors about more too, is is needing to understand that you are in a business still, right? Like even in education, it's still a business. If you don't have a good program, you're probably not going to get the funding that you need to keep the program going. And so at the end of the day, when you look at it from that lens, you need to network as an instructor. You need to get out there and make yourself present to the shops and and be able to kind of meet halfway, right? Like a lot of times I think they're, they know they, especially in tech schools, know that they've got the hot commodity, which is students, and they expect everybody to come to them. But if they, to me, the best instructors I've seen have really good relationships with the industry around them. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, we also have to remember they don't have any formal training, Yeah. right? 
And so they're coming out of industry. They have to figure out how to run a committee. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to make a large assumption, but if I was a former technician, I'm not really, I, I don't know how many committees I've really run before, you know? Right. <laughs> so right. they have to run a committee. They have to deal with administration now. They have to teach students, which they probably have never had any experience teaching, which we know is not as easy as it looks, right? So there's so many variables and we kind of have to cut them a little bit of slack. Yes. You know? And be like, okay, again, they might not be good at all of those things. So we got to help them as much as we can. Well, and they sign up to teach, right? They sign up because they want to teach young people. And right. it's just like, it's like when somebody coach, uh, signs up to coach youth sports, they really want to coach young people, but they don't know the politics that go into and policing deal with the parents. parents and, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And it's kind, of, it's kind of the same thing here, right? A hundred percent. And, you know, I was just thinking they don't want, all they want to do is teach. They're probably taking a pay cut. <laughs> yeah. And they got to, on some level, like what they do now, you know, you're always going to have your, your outliers, but on some level they got to like what they do. And it's, it's not easy. And especially this last year hasn't been easy. Yeah. They're truly on an Island right now. And that, that's to me, very concerning. And even when they're, it's pre COVID, you know, you, you, you're dealing with the student, you're, you're kind of getting beat up from all avenues, right? Like industries, maybe shouting that we don't have enough people in the industry or you're not producing people. Or once they get here, you know, that one tech I hired from your school isn't performing. And, and so then they get it from administration as well. You know, if enrollment numbers aren't where they should be, or if, you're asking for funding for something and, and it's yeah. a budgetary thing. Like there's a lot of stress that goes into oh. it over and above teaching. Oh, and by the way, now you have to be a professional fundraiser too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, seriously, now you have to go out and ask industry for stuff. And, and that's, that's not easy. It's it not easy asking people for money or <laughs> donations. You know what I mean? So I would be the worst at that. I hate asking for things. I'm the worst at asking for things, but it it truly in that capacity is so important again because if your goal is to build a really quality program and you're fighting all of these variables, uh, all of these different things that are over and above the education of the student, it it puts a lot in your bag that you didn't know that you were signing up for and it, I've never been an instructor, but I can imagine that's very, very intimidating and yeah. it's overwhelming. Yeah. And now you have 15, you know, teenagers or college students and you're trying to show them how to work on a car and keep them engaged. And I mean, there's just so many, so much, so much craziness to it that when I start to kind of get down on instructors or, or you know, I'm frustrated and then I'm like, Kristen, chill, you get to sit at a desk all day. You know, and maybe yeah. get annoyed here and there. They're juggling a lot. They are. And that, you know, ultimately, I think for our core mission as a company, that that's so important to understand is that we want to help support these people. We don't want to, we don't want to be, we don't want to have sides here, right? Like we want to have a really, really nice ecosystem where we're feeding each other and we're treating each other well and with respect, right? I think from the instructor side, respecting where the shops are coming from, from the shop side, understanding all of those variables we just talked about that go into being an instructor at a school, both the secondary and post-secondary levels. I mean, they're, they're you know, from a high school level, those folks that have shops, I I think there's more barriers than, than what we have in the tech schools. And and the, a limited amount of time that you have your hands on with them that you can teach. And, you know, I, I, I just think overall we could do better with a little bit more understanding of each other from industry and schools. I'm going to cheer up, Jay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can write a song with that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it I, I do think it's important. And I do it think is. that you know, that's really our, our mission is what, and what we're trying to do is that we, we need to get that, that buy-in from both sides. We need to, we, we need to work together and it's, we got a long way to go. I think there's a lot of things we do well. We talked about a lot of the stuff that we don't do well, but you know, there are 
really progressive people out there that are doing the right things right now. And hopefully we can find them, highlight them on whether it's the podcast or doing a spotlight or, you know, really looking at those success stories, because a lot of times we just don't hear those. And and I, I think it's really important that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Spread the love and understanding, right? Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, we it just all butterflies and rainbows, right? We'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be all right. But, no, no, I well, think it definitely, you know, there's room for improvement, but there's a lot of great people in our industry that do want to help. There's a lot of great instructors. There's a lot of great shops and technicians. So, you know, again, just bringing awareness and, and thinking creatively and out of the box, you know? Yeah. Well, and I hope that's what people take out of this podcast is, there are opportunities out there, especially if you prioritize them and you prioritize those relationships because they're both from the school side and the industry side. Having those relationships meet in the middle, really, really important and, and something that I hope people can take away from this podcast. So thank you, Kristen, so much for doing this podcast with me. I didn't even really have to twist your arm that much, which is really exciting. I'm not uh, sure I could have said no, though. That's the only thing about- <laughs> kind of figured this wasn't this wasn't really a yes or no question it was it was when are you available we're doing this so the next one we're going to do is just an hour-long uh bitch session on on guidance counselors right like we'll just do it's not even worth the time (laughs) honestly (laughs) we we should we one of my goals is to have a guidance counselor on the show to talk about this because i i do think it would be fascinating in so many different ways to get somebody on that has an open mind and and can talk through this. So maybe we'll do that one together. Let me know. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Kristen. We appreciate it. And for those of the listeners that would like to reach you, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, Kristen, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N at wrenchway.com. Nice. And I would encourage you, a school, industry, whoever you are, reach out to her. Kristen is extremely smart, extremely helpful, and uh, is very, very passionate about this part of the business. And I think she can help you out a lot. So thank you very much and have a great day. Thanks, Jim.